0: Skinny
1: Buddha Lifestyle Baby. Welcome
0: to our community. It's shocking Chef. We gotta we got an interview for you guys this time.
1: You uh, guys are in for a real treat. This
0: guy is the real deal. Real deal, definitely. I mean, um, member of a legendary punk rock um, band, vegan. Been in
1: jail, lived on the streets, was a Hare Krishna. It doesn't get any better than this.
0: I mean, but this guy is, you know, he's the truth. And and everybody needs to hear what he's got to say.
1: He's also an amazing athlete. He's he's, I mean, Iron he's an Man. inspiration to us. And we know he's going to inspire you
0: guys. So, <laughs> without further ado, John Joseph. Let's do it.
2: Check it out. How's, how's everything?
0: Everything is everything in this crazy, crazy world we're in right now. Can you now.
2: believe, like, the last four months? Man, craziness. Damn.
0: Insane. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing it
2: 100%, that. brother, you know that, man. I love what you do. and Thank you, thank you. It ain't even like you was all about, I don't know what the Instagram, we don't roll like that. I'm 58 <laughs> years old, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't go with no Instagram etiquette. If some if I got something to say, I'm like, yeah, yeah. give All me right. a shout. All
0: right, good because we want to get into that as far as like, because it's definitely a, a different breed of uh, I don't even know what the breed is now uh, on the on the male side. And yeah. as as me personally,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going. Yeah, with this. <laughs> as,
0: as me personally feeling kind of like a uh, like an alien sometimes, but. We'll,
2: we'll get there. Uh, well, all you got to do is listen to what Dave Chappelle said about all of that. What happened? Because he broke it down. Which
0: one? Oh, only one of his latest. Uh...
2: No, it wasn't the latest one. It was the one when he came back from Africa. Oh. And then, like, everybody was saying he lost his mind and all this. But he j- he started dropping science on, see, Hollywood, and the, they control everything, right? So whatever they're projecting that this is what's cool. That's what the masses are doing. Yeah. So he said, why do they want every black comedian or actor to dress up in drag?
0: Yeah. So,
2: yeah. And then he goes down the rabbit hole of demascul- de- demasculinizing black men in America yeah. and the rest of it. But it's deep.
1: I don't think we saw that one, did we? we
2: saw yeah. That
0: yeah, well,
2: no, I think I might have showed
0: you that one. Though. I think it was an Oprah interview.
2: If you look, every single black comedian, even from Flip Wilson back in the day, Geraldine he had. If y'all remember the Flip Wilson show, that might be before your time, but they did the same thing to him. And he had to come up with a female Geraldine, him in drag, you know, like... But Dave Chappelle went went deep on some shit, man. He... What he's saying, it, it blew my mind because like, I knew him when he first started out. I used to deliver weed to him, man.
0: <laughs> oh yeah?
2: <laughs> yeah, he was playing to like five people in the Boston Comedy Club, man. Wow. And his agent from TriStar Pictures was the one that called me, this guy, Matt. And he's like, that guy is gonna be a fucking superstar, man. Oh yeah? Yo, I swear to God. And then I, I had all the bike gear on. I would go down to the basement of the club and give him the weed. And then I would and then he lived in some condo over here and then like and I would deliver looking like a professional cyclist, right? And then when he put out half baked, I'm like the delivery guy was dressed like a cyclist. I'm oh, like, oh. I'll take that. Oh. <laughs> awesome.
0: Anyway. That's awesome. I was, Whatever you want to get rocking. Of, speaking of down there, and uh, you see my shirt that I got on right now. I love it. Village.
2: I, I go I, with the Spanish version, Loisada, the Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if I'm,
0: I'm from out of town. I'm, I come in, it's like the 70s. I got a, a, a sweater on, you know, and my nice, uh, my nice uh, dickies on, and I'm, I'm walking down. Um, this is in the 70s? Shirt. This is <laughs> the Chef's got her poodle in her hand, and we're like, hi, we're, we're, we're here in the, uh, the Lower East Side.
2: What, what, how does that go down for us? How, what are we going to see? Oh, I thought you meant that you was on the Lower East Side. No, no, saying, picture this, picture it. Oh. This. We walk in from out of town. I
0: got my, my sweater over my shoulder, shoulders.
2: Honestly, Two. if they saw that, you would get robbed very quick, <laughs> <laughs> because I was in uh I was in St. John's Home for Boys. I grew up in foster homes, if you know. I can I curse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let it go. Uh, so I grew up in fucked up foster homes. My father was a professional boxer. He boxed under Custom Auto over here at Gramercy Gym from Ireland. Wow, and he, you know, he did some bad stuff, man. He almost murdered my mom, and she fell into depression. They took us away, so like, I went through all these foster homes, like bad one after another, and then one for six years that was terrible. So then they closed that and put me in St. John's, the spot home for boys in Rockaway Beach. We up in Spafford or anything? Yeah. So then I used to uh, traffic drugs and come to the Lower East Side in 1976. And then 1977, I was a heroin mule. So I had to meet these junkies' connection. It was a Spanish cat named Papo. And then he told me the first time I came down here, the reason they call it Alphabet City, because it goes by the avenue, A, B, C, D. He goes, if you come out, if you come down here and you don't know nobody, and you're trying to come down here and cop or do whatever, That he said, Avenue A stands for adventurous, Avenue B stands for bold, C, you're crazy, and Avenue D, you are dead. And that was the reality. Tompkins Square Park was murder scenes, man, constantly, people ODing. And it went from in the 60s, because I do a whole history tour down here, too.
1: Yeah, we were on we, it. We went on it. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So the 60s was like hippies and Prabhupada chanting Hare Krishna with Allen Ginsberg and all those guys. And then the 70s just brought the drugs. Like, you know, and, and with the drugs comes the violence. And it was also the gentrification, the early stages of it, because what you had going on in the Bronx, the South Bronx, uh, if you watched the movie that my friend Shan did, um, is called uh, Rub- Rubble Kings, R-U-B-B-L-E, Kings. And it was how the gang started in the South Bronx, and then they were getting paid by the Jewish landlords to torch the buildings. Uh, and that's how all the buildings were getting burned down. They called them Jewish barbecues. And then when they lost everything, the gang started ro- Like, the shit that you saw go down in the Warriors, the movie, they took an actual incident that went, that actually happened. The gangs had this like big meeting to try to squall the shootings and the murders and the gang fights. And somebody shot one of the leaders of one of the main gangs. And then it just spun out. And that's how Warriors took that from an actual event in the South Bronx. And then they started having these parties where it was like to quell the violence and all the gangs got together and then they hooked up a turntable and then somebody started scratching on the record and then somebody got on the mic and it talks about the whole birth of hip-hop and that culture about how it came out of uh you know the south bronx and all these rough neighborhoods you know even alphabet city was with the punk rock what i was so then so then more how... involved with going to CBGB's in 77 and Max's Kansas City and like, you know.
0: So how do you go from so you were you're were a drug a drug mule, as you said, and then how how does it progress after that? Like how do you because Well, you...
2: it's called incarceration. <laughs> 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 I got I got popped in seventy-eight, right before my birthday, the end of like the last week of September. I had racked up cases, uh, two drug sales to undercovers. So the one was a drug sale to an undercover. uh, I'm making a movie about this shit. Like when all this clears up, like I wrote the script for this whole, this one summer of punk rock. It was called the summer of punk in 77. And I was on the streets, but like, there was this guy Jimbo Sterling, he was a big heroin dealer, heroin addict, but like had a job, like everybody could back then it wasn't you didn't spin out. There was people that could maintain a habit. They got to do two three bags in the morning to get right, a little taste in the afternoon, something at night and they hold down jobs. I used to sell to those people, suit and ties, coming and buying bundles. And then the thing was, he had me work at, he had a hot dog stand, right? And a hamburger stand. So when you got off the train on 98th Street in Rockaway Beach, right? And you wanted to go to Rockaway Playland, the amusement park where everybody went. You had to walk by his hot dog stand. So if you knew what time it was, you could buy a hot dog. But instead of a hot dog in the bun, it was a nickel bag or a dime or weed. Ooh, okay. so. We kept selling to these people, and then they turned out that they bought like all this weight, and then they popped us. That was my first case. And, you know, I went back onto the streets after getting out of lockup, and they took me back. I split, and then I caught another case breaking into a supermarket through the roof. I love how you said they, they <laughs> took me back. Yeah, no, St. John's did. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Well, okay. so St. John's, they had to remand you for somewhere where you're locked up um, but, uh-huh. so that it's like you're you're on, um, you know, like you're, like you're waiting for your court case to come and stuff like that. So I split on that first case so I had a bench warrant. And yeah. then I got popped again for the breaking through the supermarket roof to get in the safe. <laughs> and they brought me back, St. John's took me back. Wait, again. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on bring it back to the
0: supermarket
2: now. Oh, so they had a pharmacy in there. So, there was this guy and he's like, "Yeah, this dude told me the combination to the safe. He works there. So all we got to do is go through the skylight and and hacksaw the bars and then and this guy was a this guy was a ranger in the army. And like that's how I met him. He went he went AWOL from the army and stole a bunch of guns and he he took them out little by little in in the gun manuals he cut uh ho- holes in the book and he was sneaking out p- parts to assemble M16s wow. yeah he was he was a maniac this guy Joey Keene, he just died so he was a paratrooper ranger so he's like yeah we're going to rappel into the fucking store like once we get the bars so we cut the bars and we were tying off to like the the pipe there on the roof. And then all of a sudden these floodlights hit us, right? And it's like, oh. both of you assholes, get down. Five-O oh. <laughs> had the whole fucking place surrounded. Well, I found out that my friend, the ranger, had had sex with that guy's girlfriend. So, so he set him up. With a fake oh. nation oh,
1: and make this shit set up. up
2: to be busted by the fucking cops. Wow, you can't make this shit up.
0: So was it? Were you just like game for like? Was it just like a money thing for you? Whatever. I
2: was just like I was buck wild, man. I was fourteen and seventy six. I was like whatever I have to do to survive. I mean, you know, I didn't get into that street walking shit. I was like for lack of a better word, a street thug. Like, I would never rob old ladies. I, like, I would do heists. Like, I went on to the streets, and then I met these maniacs. They're both murderers, They both and they both got murdered re, uh, in the last 20 years. But Junior Nuts and Dougie Holston. So 116 in Rockaway was like the place, man. Everybody hung out there, the Ramones, the Hells Angels, people from all over the city came to 116, it was a circle, they called it the circle because it was like a cement circle. And everybody sat around in a circle, passing fucking joints and drinking and playing Frisbee on the beach. And And I was selling fucking speed and like, I, I split. So then I met these cats and we started going up town to Bell Harbor and going into the garages and they liked me because they only had to lift the garage up a little bit. And then I go underneath with a flashlight and see what they got. Chainsaws, lawnmowers, bicycles. We were taking everything and wheeling it down to the beach in the middle of the night below the dunes, taking on the train at 116 to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, to a fence, an old Polish guy named Pops. And he would fucking buy You walk in there, there's hair dryers, fucking clothes dryers, washers. TVs like he was a fence in in Greenpoint and we would take him. He had a list. So we had to go fill out what get what he needed on the list. So I did that for like a month. And then they stole a car and we crashed it at the end into these people's house.
1: Oh
2: my God. (laughs) Like in the middle of the night. (laughs) <laughs> fucking nuts, man! Yo, I, I can't even believe I'm still alive. Like this oh, shit, you, I did. You be high at the during? Oh, the... high as a motherfucking kite. You stole this car because the keys. Uh, this old drunk dude was like passed out halfway in the car, halfway out the car. Junior just said, "Get out of here!" Like pulled him out the car, and then we, as he's driving, he reaches under and he goes, "Yo!" And it was a fucking a quarter Jack Daniels. Unopened.
0: <laughs> well,
2: we started drinking that shit, and Junior Nuts was driving. We got to go over the Marine Parkway Bridge. Nobody had money, so we were gonna. We couldn't get through the toll, so he whips the fucking Yui at like fifty miles an hour, like side skids. We're all fucked up, and the cops just start chasing us oh. back into Rockaway, and he jumps over the divider. The cop. All their tires blew out. And we go into uh, the house, like a garage, into the fucking house. Oh. And ran out all bloody and ran to the beach and got away. But wow. after that, <laughs> Union Nuts stabbed this girl in the neck like like 10 times with a bottle. He, he, he was crazy. Oh and uh, so they had to split. And I had to split because they knew that I was their friend and they, like I seen him do it that night. It just came, he would just snap out of nowhere and just, he'd be talking, he'd say, you got a light? And then she's like, no, I don't have a light. And he's like, why are you being a bitch? And start stabbing him with a fucking bottle in the neck. I was like, I got a nowhere. You're like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Oh. So then I had to split and that's, so So and now that's I got started selling the angel dust in Forest Park. I said, and
0: now, and now you're an accountant,
2: right? Yeah, no, now I was... <laughs> uh, I was <laughs> <laughs> no, that, then after that, I started selling dust, and that's the case that I got busted for at Forest Park at the Dome. That's the one that sent me up north. I went to Spafford for three months and then 21 months upstate.
1: Upstate where?
2: Uh, Lincolndale. Oh. It was like everything from attempted murder on down.
0: And so, what did, what was your life like in there? And did you have any kind of Writing training? Fighting
2: every fucking day. Spafford. The moment I walked in there, it was like so you don't. Do dude tried to step to me. I was in B three, which is intermediate, you know. But I I went in lockup at 135 pounds. When I came out after two years, I was 165 boxing. Or, you know, I put I got like they say, you got to get your weight up.
0: And you're the
2: only white kid in Spofford. Only would- white kid in Spofford. Wow. And at Target, as soon as I went in there, the biggest dude we were in uh, indoctrination, you know, where they take all your clothes, whatever the fuck, and then put, you know, strip search you. And then the dude is like, "Yo, you're gonna be my Maytag when we get to the floor." I said, "Man, because the cops told me, yo, if anybody, it was two Irish cops. I got sent from Q Garden, in Central Booking." And they knew who my father was. Cause my father was a famous Irish boxer. Then they were like, McGowan, is that John Shorty McGowan out of Astoria? I was like, yeah. McGowan, yeah. And they were like, yo, anybody fucks with you, you gotta give it right back to them, right? So this dude's like, yo, you're gonna be my fucking Maytag. That means like, you know. Yeah. And I go, nah, you're gonna be my Maytag, motherfucker. And the dude was like, you know, brolic. and. Everybody started laughing. So I said to the Puerto Rican dude, next to me, I go, yo, what did I just say to that dude? What, what the fuck's a Maytag? He's like, yo, you just told that big motherfucker you're gonna have to like watch, he's gonna have to wash your sneakers, your drawers, suck your dick, like all this fuck. I was like, yo. As Soon as I got to the wing that night, man, he was in there with me and the beef. I had, I had to bang him out with a chair. But that's the whole thing. I was willing to fucking go trade blows with anybody, fight anybody. That's yeah, that. That's that Irish blood. I fought some of you they guys. They called me Mighty Whitey, you. you know, and I was just—I <laughs> swear to God—and I was a kid, you know. But I—I I would just fight. And then I was working out, eating three squares, fucking, you know. Did anybody anybody kind
0: of school you, you know, to the
2: rules of the, the? Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh some brothers and shit like that. And then I helped this dude Orlando sneak off. I never forget him cause Orlando and Orlando Don, like the fucking group back then. So I remembered his name, but he was getting ready to do serious time uh, in Spofford. They, they had him there for murder and he was going to do serious time. So he knew the one gate on the bus that goes from Spofford there's one window, it's an emergency window, but if you kicked it the right fucking way, the whole fucking window came off. Cause this other dude told him. So he goes, yo, I want you to sit next to me on the bus. And then I'm gonna jump up when I do, just stand in the aisle so the, the CO can't get me, you know? So. You know, but he became, like, he was a good friend of mine prior to that. So he showed me the ropes, you know, play the wall. Like, if shit goes down, that's what they tell you. Yo, you got to play the wall. You got to keep your back to the fucking wall. You don't let nobody behind you. You fight off the wall. And, like, all that type shit, you know. Don't let people fuck with you, you know. Like, when people are trying to, it's all a mental game. They try to get, you know, so, like one up on you, but and so yeah. can you just tell everybody what Spofford is? Oh, it was, it was a, a juvenile detention facility, but it was twenty-one and under. Oh, was and 21,
0: under? twenty-one
2: and under, twenty-one over twenty-one. You went to Rikers. This was twenty-one and under when I went in in seventy-eight, and you had grown-ass men running shit on kids, like. It was it was crazy, and I was the only white kid in the entire fucking place when I was there. And let me set the stage for you. Roots was on TV, Oh no. and the Five Percenters, which is the radical part of the nation of Islam, had taken over the correctional facility all in New York State. Oh, wow. So anybody that was white was Yaku, the white devil, and basically tried to step to me when I was in Spafford and upstate as well, but, you know, like I said, live and learn, like it, you know, it's. How was it when you got up to, so when you, when it finally went
0: upstate, how was that different from Spofford? Well,
2: uh, it had more programs to better yourself. Spafford's like Rikers. That's why people, when they go to Rikers, they don't want to catch a case in Rikers. You want to get, if you know you're going away, you want to, get your court date. You don't want to c- catch any more cases in Rikers because they could keep you there now. I think it's it used to be a year, but I think it's like two years now. But like when you get upstate, that's when you could work your program. You know, they got physical fitness. You could take courses. You could do all that stuff that you can't do in Rikers. Rikers is just basically keeping you in a fucking cell. That's how Spofford was. You go to your floor and you just chill on the floor but they restrict the movements. They got bed counts. They lock you in your fucking cell at night, and lock you in your cell in the daytime. They do head counts. Anybody ever get out of him? Huh?
0: Does anybody ever like escape or anything? Not like that? over
2: the wall, but I got this guy. Like I was telling you, Orlando, that motherfucker jumped up and lay lay down on the chair with both legs, kicked the gate. You know the buses, the prison buses got these gates. That whole shit, boom, just went out. And then the the fucking COs come running down the aisle. And I jumped in the aisle. And they're like, get the fuck out of the way, trying to grab me. And I'm acting like, yo, yo. And just like weeble wobbling to (laughs) prevent them. And and he got out that motherfucking window, man. And they caught him like a week later because his dumb ass went right back to his fucking neighborhood instead of going somewhere else. But I got major props for that. And then, like, but the CEOs were like, you helped him. You were involved. I said, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even talk to him. I was trying to get out of the way, you know? Because <laughs> uh, I went forward instead of going back, right? I went forward. It uh... was in their path coming from the front. They sit in the front.
0: Uh-huh. So they're
2: like, well, why did you come forward? I said, I just was panicking. It was crazy.
0: <laughs>
2: but get, they couldn't get by the little bus aisle to fucking grab him. So I I was, you know, and then I went back to the unit. Now
1: we, gotta, now we gotta fast forward from from this to the fact that you are an athlete, a vegan, yeah. an advocate. Like for, how, how do we get from there to here?
2: All right, well that was a 40 year journey that started when I got out of lockup in 80. I went into the Navy. I caught another case for drugs. So they offered me the Navy, the military, or go to back to jail. Cause my mom was dating a Navy recruiter <coughs> at the time. And my mom's had to be the one to get me released because they couldn't let a they couldn't let somebody out of jail when you're under 21 that didn't have a legal guardian. So my mom had to sign me out. So I went to her, I caught shit right away. I I you know, we never were tight with each other. So I went and started selling drugs again and I got caught. But she was dating this Navy recruiter. He said, all right, listen, we're gonna squash this shit. I'll get this shit sealed. I know the cops, I know the DA. This is the deal we're gonna give you. You go four years military and the whole shit gets scrapped. So I went in. Well, that's where the whole change started, you see, because like my first trip, I went in the Navy and went to boot camp January, 1980 right January 3rd right after New Year's I went to boot camp high on angel dust they fly you out of Fort Hamilton my brother who was also locked up we went in on the buddy program so we had
0: wait hold on slow that up now how are you getting
2: drugs in the prison in the prison no this was when I got out Navy. oh this was Navy. Navy. Okay. I was going to boot camp, so no, I was in prison, people smuggled shit okay. that's how and what happens is they get guards or whatever the fuck, but when you are short timer where I was, they want you to start going home to home visits to re-establish a relationship with your parents so when I would go home. When people would go get those home visits, when they're short timers, they would smuggle shit back. You so that's that? what I did,
0: I smuggled. Yo, hold up, now we gotta talk about smuggle. What smuggle mean? How do, they, how do they get it in?
2: Oh, I'll tell you, how I got mine in. I rolled up joints, right? They don't got dogs. So this is how I did my shit. I was smuggling weed, acid you could smuggle in anywhere, pills you could smuggle in anywhere. But the weed, I'd roll up all the joints, take the cigarettes. So I'd open the carton with a knife, and then i cut the glue tabs on the cellophane and slide it down without tearing the pull strip. Open up the pack of cigarettes, put the fucking joints in there, seal it back, and then close the carton. They smell cigarettes. So that's how I got the weed in. Okay. But we would do it. With people... I, I'm gonna tell y'all about the greatest institutional get high of all time. You would get fucked up beyond belief, head rush. You'd be like, oh shit. Wow. And then like, you know, people would make homemade, homemade wine. And then like, you know, we used to mope at night, which was man off property. When you got short time, you could leave. You know, they put you in the trust unit because you got short time. They're not going to think you're going to do some stupid shit. So we moped that night, man off property, and fucking went to the deli and had some local kids go in and buy alcohol and all that shit.
0: All right. So So then
2: I got, so so me and my brother was locked up too because my older brother did the same time as me upstate and went to the same facility as me. He was in the ahead of me, and then he went up north. So he was in the senior units and running shit. Like, he was in with all the toughest motherfuckers. So when I went there, they're like, yo, that's E's brother. So okay. it was already like, because yeah. he was in the Oak, which was a senior place. So they were getting a lot of drugs in. They called them the Smoking Oak. They were all fucking getting high. And this is brothers with big ass afros. Fucking, it was it was insane. Like, it was such a it was a good time. And then like <laughs> we both got, he got out a little ahead of me. I got added on another month for hurting somebody that attacked my brother. And uh, so I had to do the last month of my time was in solitary confinement in the cells, they call it. So it's just like solitary confinement. Oh, it was a it was a block of cement long enough to fit a two inch thin mattress, you had a blanket, and not even any windows. No windows. That's why they called it the cells. So the only time you got outside was when you go went and did work around the property. And you had to wear like this thing that said the Linden that's what it was called. The Linden was the cells. So then we both got out and then shit didn't go right. I got in trouble. He was fucking up. So then we went into the we went into the Navy and we shipped out of Fort Hamilton. So we're ready to catch the military hop flight and go to boot camp in Great Lakes. And my brother goes, yo, you know what this Italian kid over here just told me? Because it's Bay Ridge. It's a fucking Ginzo neighborhood. They fucking sell Zambola dust two blocks up the street. Let's go get some. <laughs> we smoked five bags oh. and went to boot camp high on angel dust. Wow. Oh my God. And then the rest, so I ended up, he ended up scoring genius on his ASVABs. He's a fucking genius, my brother. So he got, he became a nuclear engineer. Wow. wow. Me, they it was like, You can sell shit in the store or mop the floors. (laughs) I said, what's going to keep me outside on the deck? They said, you want to be a boatswain mate. I said, I'll take that. (laughs) So then I went to Norfolk and I was smuggling in the Navy.
1: Oh, shit.
2: So my first trip was 1980 in April to Jamaica. All right. And I met the Rastas, and that was it. That was the seed was planted. I smuggled back three pounds of lamb's bread. Oh yes. And the, the brick shit, and then they told me about the Itau food. Oh, so you got into some. And ice. then I met okay. the bad brains at a punk club, like a month later. So, so. The Putin... I, and then they they was already Rastafari, Itau, you know the whole business. Just started growing dreadlocks. So explain the Bad Brains and who they were. And um... The Bad Brains came out of the ghettos, the worst ghettos of Washington, D.C., and some of the most talented musicians to ever walk the face of the earth, and they never got the credit because just like with rock and roll, the white man stole punk rock. The Bad Brains was the shit. Nobody could fucking touch them. Not All these bands used to be in all of them. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, all the... Well, they were friends with the Beastie Boys, and then when the Beastie Boys blew up, they tried to, like, take them out on arena tours, but there was too much internal shit going on with the band. But they came out of, like, the worst part of D.C. They were such amazing musicians, they could have became, like, a black singing group and made millions of dollars, but their heart was in the punk rock. And they started as mind power first which was like a fusion band like they're playing fucking al demiola and and fucking you know lenny white shit like return to forever like no that's how talented these dudes are and then they got into the punk rock man seeing the ramones and fucking sex pistols and started the whole scene when i see punk rock like
0: now yeah like i said i see
2: these are what you see now they just think I could go and buy red hair dye and, and some fucking leather stud belts and I'm punk rock. It's, there's motherfuckers more punk rock that you can't even tell. It. It's a mentality. It, it was, we was fighting the system and punk rock, like hardcore punk, it was people from all walks of life, man, black, white, Spanish. Like, I mean, the Bad Brains were the rulers of the fucking scene and they were black Rastafarians. And anybody who doesn't know and you want to find out what they was about, you go to CBG YouTube, you put in Bad Brains, full set, 1982 CBGBs, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Because the revolutionary music, the vibe, they was talking about ITAL food. Like, that's how I got into the whole shit. I worked for them. And they was like, I was still taking drugs, getting in gang fights and shit in New York. I got stabbed up by the Hitman on 11th Street. I had a fight with them. And then they they gave me a job, like being, working as their roadie. And he was like, you can't eat meat. You have to be ital, no more drugs, no more drinking, the whole shit. And that's when my band started too. Crow mags in 81, living at the studio with them, where the Beastie Boys recorded their first record and all that. All that history is down there. Were you you know, you the talk.
0: Were you into music before... You met um, the Bad Brains, or were you...
2: Yeah, uh... yeah. No, I was, like, even in the foster home, that was my only escape out of what the hell we was going through. I had this little AM radio, and I was, like, they made us sleep in the garage in the cold on army cots, and, like, you know, so, like, that was my only uh, escape was the music, man, and most of it was, like, you know, WABC or, like, you know, soul music from back in the day, you know, and... And then in you know, watching Soul Train on Saturdays. We had we found in the garbage one of them round globe TVs that everybody had back in the day. It was a round TV. Mm-hmm. And then we put a coat hanger in there because their antenna broke, they threw it out. We took that shit back, did some shit, MacGyver, that motherfucker, and <laughs> he was watching Soul Train every Saturday, dancing around, doing all the moves, the fucking robot. The whole shit. Even when I went to St. John's, I wanted to be black. I bought gabardines. I had them taking me to the Bronx to eat fried bologna sandwiches with (laughs) Kool-Aid and ketchup. Buying fucking tray bags in East New York. Dude, crazy shit. Doing graffiti in the yards. And then like they got burned by like these local kids through Molotovs. And then they just turned on me and my brother in the home. We both had to split. That's part of the reason I had to go on the streets, you know? But, uh, you know, yeah. But the Bad Brains and the punk rock culture, it was a revolutionary thing. Everybody was listening to Bob Marley and this whole spirit of fuck the system. Like, there's a lot of manipulation going on right now with this whole thing of what's happening with, you know, half the people is wanting a peaceful protest and then the other half of these paid provocateurs that are there to ruin and and put that Black Lives message down and make it seem like, yo, these are thugs, these ain't peaceful protesters. But I've seen videos where brothers were like, this group right here is going over here to march peacefully. If you wanna stay here and smash windows and burn shit, you stay here, don't come with us. That's the shit that was going on. There was paid provocateurs out there doing shit. And you know, Back in the punk rock scene, back in the day, we all got along. We didn't look at the bad brains as black dudes or us as white dudes or Spanish or, like, gay, you know, whatever the fuck. Michael Lago, like, was gay as anything, man. And he signed Metallica and everybody else who used to come to the shows. I mean, you know, it was definitely a lot more macho in the early days, but it, it became accepting of all people, you know?
0: And so... um. What actually ended up happening to the the drugs or anything get to the bad brains like what happened with them and uh
2: yeah I mean they had their problems just like I did later on you know like you know you have to realize uh, every one of us came out of real bad situations and if we don't deal with that shit yeah. like what happened to me abused in a home and I never dealt with it so every time shit would go wrong. It was like opening up old wounds and I would just go off on motherfuckers and like, and then and, and drugs and whatever the fuck. So, I mean, I had a two year relapse from 88 to 90 after living as a monk for two years and, but even when I relapsed, I still stayed to my plant-based diet. That's oh, the so thing that saved me. Right back to
0: the living, living like a monk for two years. Yeah, I
2: was a Hare Krishna monk for from 82 to 84. Where was that? Uh, In- in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and New York.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, and I was like one of the ones going on to the streets, fucking jumping around and handing out books and the whole shit.
0: Well, so what does that mean? What was your life? What did you do?
2: Like, I got up at two o'clock every morning. I meditated for two hours before the morning ceremonies, the group chanting, and then we did some classes. <coughs> And then I would do two hours of martial arts with somebody out there on the big Island and run and do whatever, two hours of training. And then I would have breakfast and then I would go out and distribute books on Kalakaua Avenue to people about your, you know, you stop them with like some flour and shit, you know, what they give people in Hawaii, but then you ultimately want to get them to take a book, you know, on philosophy or whatever the fuck, however you could get that book, you know, you want them to, to take the book. So that was my life there for a year. And then I left and I came back to New York. And I was in the temple for a year in New York.
0: Oh, so so that's, we had a guy come into our place in the, in the city. And he gave, he gave us the flowers. And then eventually he gave us the book, you know. And we actually went, we went, um, what's it what's
1: it yeah, called? Yeah, to
2: the Bhakti Center. The Bhakti Center, 25 First Avenue. Yeah,
1: yeah, we went. He used to come in a lot when we had the place. Yeah.
2: Really? A lot of nice people over there. Yeah, definitely, you know, like real people. nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you became vegan originally because of the bad brain? Well,
2: I got, I got, I got, when I got into it, I got into raw foods because I worked at Prana Health Food Store the end of 80, 81. Uh, on 9th and 1st, they were connected to, um to uh integral yoga institute, Swami Satyananda. So I used to go over there and take the free yoga classes, but then I could I'd work up in the kitchen and do service, right? And then I got to go to any lectures or anything for free. So I saw Victorius Kovinskis. I met the people from the Hippocrates Health Center. Mm-hmm. All those people were coming in there giving lectures. So then I was like yo this raw food shit And I bought Victoria's Covince's book, Survival Into the 21st Century. So it was all about raw foods and growing sprouts and and fucking like getting into drinking rejuvelac and just like the real healthy aspect of this whole thing, which was...
1: Complete 360. A hundred,
2: well, first I started out with HR and he was like, I was still eating meat when I went AWOL. And then he started, he took me to Angelica's kitchen And I was like, this shit tastes like dirt. Get the fuck (laughs) out of here. I went and got a hamburger, I swear to God, I'm not lying. Then he took me to this place called Vegetarian Paradise, and there was only one of them. And it was on Bowery, just below Canal, and it was this little tiny place, and it was wintertime, right? And the windows were all steamed up. You couldn't even see inside. You go in, there's like 10 little tables Full of fucking Rastafarians, man. I was like, "Holy shit, wow!" Rastas with their kids and like, all right. And that's when I was like, I could eat the wheat gluten and the fake meat. I was like, "Yo, I got this shit's all right, dude. I could eat this shit." And then there was another place called the Cauldron on Sixth Street that was run by like these wicker witches, and they had all this fucking. They had these tofu, they had a section to go, these tofu vegetable pies with tofu and carrots and sweet potatoes for a dollar. Like that fucking big, all organic. So then I started eating there and they had the tofu strudels. And then between that, I was made the transition. I'm like, yo, and then when I worked in the health food store, I started seeing all the shit, tempeh, and I, and, you know, the thing was, that's why when I went into Krishna Temple, I learned how to cook with the spicing and everything else, because I was trying to, Bad Brains took me on the road, and I was the cook, and they were like, uh, tastes good, man, <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, you know, eventually, you you learn the science of spicing and cooking, and that's what I learned at the temple from, like, chefs. Like the most incredible cooks in the world, and that was the thing in the temple—they used ghee. So I, you know, for the time I lived in the temple, I'm a monk. I gotta eat. You know, they didn't serve like meat, fish, eggs, none of that shit. But they used butter in the Vedic, food. That
1: kind of was it, like an ayurvedic huh? diet there.
2: Yeah, they practiced the ayurvedic ayurvedic diet. Okay. So, you know, it it allows for ghee and whatever, all that stuff. But so
1: that's a, that's how the diet happened. How did the extreme fitness happen?
2: Oh, well, ever since uh when I was locked up, I was training all the time. Like I said, I went in a buck, like 135, and I came out like 165. And there used to be this one dude on the street He's a criminal, right? And this was like right when I got out and um, you know, he was bigger than me when I was 14. And then I said, I gotta find this motherfucker. Cause I'm Irish, you know, we hold a fucking grudge till it's like no fucking tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm never gonna, this motherfucker used to fucking punch me in my face, take my money, like big kid, stocky. Fucking walked up, summertime, I'm on 116. I see him. He's like, yo, you got big, man. Boom! (laughs) Laid him out. Smacked him, get the fuck up. I said, never forget that you fucked with me, motherfucker.
0: All right. Payback. But like,
2: yeah, you know, I I was just like, but you know, then the bad brains getting into that. And then I got into taking yoga because integral yoga was connected to Prana Foods. And then, like, the fitness shit came because even when I was locked up, I was training. And then when I got out, I still liked to run. And I would uh, play basketball in Times Square Park. We'd run full courts for, like, fucking three hours. But the thing was, I was AWOL from the Navy. I didn't tell you that part. I split. I fucked this kid up, and I caught a case. <laughs> Was for selling to undercovers in Norfolk, and it was federal. I sold pills. Oh,
0: shit.
2: Like, pills and coke and everything to these cops. They said This guy set me up. And then I was facing a fucking, like, case in the Navy. Like... But it was a civilian case, so the Navy held me on restrictions. And then my ship went to Puerto Rico and all that. And then, like, I, I, I was already... I guess on parole, I guess you would say, they paroled me to the Navy waiting for the case. And this one redneck always used to fuck with me, faggot New York motherfucker. Like, he was this big dude. And I'm like, yo, bro, like, you joined the Navy because you didn't have nothing else to do with your loser-ass life? I joined the Navy to stay out of jail. I said, don't fuck with me, dude. Mm -hmm. And he kept with the New York faggot shit, like a redneck motherfucker, you know? Always saying... You know, nigga this, nigga that. I say, yo, man, like, these are my friends, bro. Like, and then it got to be this whole shit. I'm going to fuck you up, boy. So then what happened right before we got underway, I was restricted to the ship, right? Which meant I couldn't go to any duty ports. They were pulling in the Bahamas, this, that, the other thing, all these tropical islands, and I couldn't even go off the ship. But I had gotten my wisdom teeth pulled, before we got underway. And I started getting this infection. So then this dude just like kicked over the paint can on me as he went by on purpose, like, and that's when I, I just I just fucking lost it. He went back to the Bonesome Paint Locker and was mixing paint, that's what he did. I walked in, I closed the door. There's all these latches, they call it dogging down the door because it has a seal. So that when you dog those hatches hatches down, no water can get into that compartment. It's It's a fucking waterproof compartment. And I just picked up a paint can and I started beating that motherfucker. Not everywhere but the head. I beat him in the arms, the stomach, the legs, the knees. Till he shit his pants and passed out. And then they locked me up on the ship. And then they were like, it was this whole big thing. Now, dig this, my ship was a CGN. We could take on helos. On the, on the fantail was a helo deck. So we had special forces motherfuckers in the middle of the ocean coming out of fucking helicopters, landing on the ship, gearing up, diving off to meet a submarine, like crazy shit. So they had to fly. I got so sick and the temperature of my infection I was like 104. They had to medevac me off the ship in the middle of the day in a helicopter and take me back to Roosevelt Roads. And they forgot to say that I was supposed to be handcuffed to the bed.
1: <laughs>
2: but then I got on an IV drip there. And my ship went on to South America. They forgot to send the orders. There's no internet back then. It was like do, 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 like the shit you see in movies. That's how they transmissions like that. And then um, they sent me back to Norfolk. And then I found out my ship was coming back. I was rolling around, getting paid, selling drugs again. And then uh, when I met the Bad Brains, I sold their manager LSD. Like that's how I (laughs) fucking got in sight with them. But then, yeah, when I got to work with the Bad Brains, that's when the whole shit changed. You know, I got into the metaphysics and started understanding karma and past lives and why we have to suffer things, which when I was locked up, I was like, you know, everybody puts on the tough guy shit when you're out in population. When that motherfucking cell door locks and you're 16 years old and you don't know where your life's going, believe me, I cried a lot Mm -hmm. and asked God why the fuck I had to go through all this. What From my childhood, I was conceived out of a rape. Well, my father raped my mother after they were still married, but she left him. He broke in and raped her and and, and she didn't want to terminate the pregnancy. That pregnancy was me. Wow. wow. And the cops wouldn't arrest him, nothing. Cause he was like, everybody knew the Irish boxer. But, you know, it's just, it was a struggle since day one. And then I'm like, now I understand. In retrospect, I look back and those situations were all tests to get me where I am today. And that's why when I kicked drugs in, eight, in 90, I said I gotta challenge myself mentally, physically, spiritually every single day. And then I started getting in to the heavy duty biking. See, when I got out of AWOL from the military, the point I was making was the only job I could get was a bike messenger, because you didn't have to show your social security number. That's how they get people. You you go get a job with your social security number, when that shit gets rung to the government, boop! A federal alarm, It's a federal warrant that never goes away for as long as you live. Wow. You could be AWOL hey, well, 50 years, they'll bring you back. Wow. They have to, because you're government property, they got to sign you out, even if you're 70 years old. Wow. So that's why I got into the cycling, you know, because like that was the only job I could get, wow. where they gave you a check cashing card with any name on it. I was like, John Paul fucking Smith. Mm-hmm. All right, here. Take this cash, this check, cashing card to our bank, and they're gonna give you the money for this check. Never <laughs> ran my ID, <coughs> and then when my band started popping, I was on motherfucking MTV and all kinds of shit. Motherfucking A Wall. It was my own bass player that snitched on me, so and that's so, how I got caught
0: so in '95. Man, your life is so amazing. So, so leading into your, um, um, I'm gonna grab. A Leading into your, to your, uh, to the, to, to the band. Yeah, hold on, we just got to grab.
2: Oh, when I put my book out, the Village Boys called me, they're like, yo, we want to do a story about your book. You know what the story they wanted to do? To prove that it was bullshit. Oh, uh-
1: Wait, the PMA book?
2: A million little pieces came out and all these fake memoirs, and here comes my book. So I go to meet the motherfucker. He slides the book across the table at Kate's joint, the vegan spot on Avenue B and 4th. He's like, dude, come on. I was like, what? He's like, dude, you made this shit up. There's no way you did all of that and you're still alive. I said, motherfucker, I did shit worse than what's in that fucking book, bro. I just wasn't trying to incriminate myself. I was like... I'll give you fucking numbers to my mom. You can call bupers, the real personnel for the military, my record, every fucking thing, you know, every fucking detail. And they were like, really? Give us the numbers. And I did. And they called my mother, my brother. They called, like, all around to, like, they couldn't get my juvenile record because it's sealed. But my mom told them, like, even what went down in the foster homes, getting shot on the street, the whole fucking drug trap. And then they gave me the cover of the fucking Village Voice. And it said, The Blood Clot Diaries, The Brutal Life and Times of John Joseph. And it was a microphone dripping in blood. Just a mic with blood dripping out of it, like a photo.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. But like, so you know. You, so when cro
0: took off, like how was that process? All of a sudden, like. You well, we them.
2: we we see we all hung out with the bad brains. I lived at their studio. We started rehearsing at their studio, and the band formed. So um, we were just we rehearsed for I don't know m- months and then like the bass player who's always been kind of an asshole. Well, not kind of an asshole in the band, like because he was a child star, like hanging out with the Clash at, at like when he was like a kid, nine years old, whatever the fuck, playing drums for the stimulators. And he just carried that mentality of like, I'm the center of attention into this band. And it's like, yo, you're a grown ass man. That's a a kid that's okay and cute, but you're a grown ass man, it's time to stop that. And that's when the first band, like the roadies started this band called Blood Clot, which when everything's fucked up in the the Babylon and, and in the Rasta culture, when they look, it's Blood Clot Babylon, it's a Blood Clot Blood clotting, you know. Mm. So then we were like, yo, this is a revolutionary band and everything is blood clot. So that's what we called the band, was blood clot. And we opened up for the Bad Brains every fucking night on tour. And, like, the shit was crazy because we would play, and we was white guys, but when they would play and it was brothers doing fucking wrecking shit, they was pulling the plug on them and fucking... I mean, we had beef with fucking KKK bikers in, 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 in Raleigh, Virginia, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like, it was so fucking racist in 1980. You wouldn't fucking believe the that's shit funny. that they had to go through and what I saw. And, like, I was like, I put my life on the line. I was like, fuck that, man. We're family. Like, anybody fucks around, you know, they're going to fucking die. Like, that's how we had to go out on the road. Like, and we're all ITOW. We had to like bring big bags of fucking like brown rice and fucking lentils and whatever the fuck. And then just buy vegetables and cook at, and, at people's house. Whatever the fuck we could do. That's you awesome. know, but it was crazy. But that's how my first live performance was opening up for the Bad Brains. Wow. And then when I got back, shit fell out with them. Cause like they started, you know, It started getting strange, man. The singer was hanging out with like this fucking racist dread dude. I couldn't stand. I wanted to bash him out, man. This guy Alfreba. And he was turning them on to Farrakhan and like, white man is the devil bullshit and stop playing punk rock. So that's why they had that whole phase of like playing only reggae and pissing people off. I'm like, don't listen to this motherfucker right here. I called him Judas. He's a fucking Judas. He's trying to fucking destroy you guys because he's a failed musician. And if you start playing reggae, you're going to fucking lose all your fans. And that's what started happening. But shit fell out with them because of that. And then Judas was like, got him and all his friends to be the roadies and get all of us fired. And we're like, we the motherfuckers that like risked our lives out there for the last like two years for y'all. Like what the fuck? Cause we're white. You're listening to this dude. And that's how that shit. And then I was like, fuck this. That's when I joined the temple. I said, I need some spiritual cleansing after all this shit. So I went to Hawaii and cause I had the boat skills. I worked on the sailboat that the Christians had donated to them. That would sail around the islands, doing chanting and feasts and pick people up. It was fucking amazing. But then the, Krishnas that did the books on Kalakaua Avenue started getting robbed. So I'm sitting there eating breakfast and I hear, yeah, such and such got punched in the face yesterday and they took all the money he made from books. I said, what? (laughs) I said, bring me down there tomorrow, man. I'm going to fucking go down there. Yo, the first day, big Hawaiian fucking huge comes and tries to rob the devotee, man. I just fucking rolled up. Boom, boom. Elbow, knee, Fucking smacked them twice. <laughs> Down. They're like, what's up with these new Krishnas? <laughs> oh, and then like, it came became this whole shit. But this, this is the thing. I, one of the gigs I had on the street was to sell fake drugs. With these junkies, we used to say, sell fake LSD, blotter, tabs, of acid at Madison Square Garden at all the concerts. That's how we made money. We would take blotter paper, Vicks Formula 44, and a cigarette filter, which is a perfect circle. Dab it in the fucking shit, press it, cut it up, put it in aluminum foil, sell it at the shows before the concerts, make four or $500. Wow. Wow. Trade it for real tickets, go to see yes. Led Zeppelin, the who. Take real acid, trip my balls off, (laughs) get it wiped. Like, this was my life. Like, and so then the Hawaiians, the ones that was robbing the devotees was selling fake weed. So every time they got a tourist sucker and they were walking away with him, I go, yo, that motherfucker sells fake shit. You're about to get ripped the fuck off. So then they confronted me. I was like, yo, you're fucking with my gig out here. I'm gonna fuck with yours. And they were like, yo, where you from, Howley? They called me a Howley. I said, New York City, motherfucker, the projects. They're like, bro. You ain't like none of these other Hare Krishna, brother. You're all right. Nah. And then I said, let me tell you how to make fake acid. Nah. <laughs> and we was cool. So but cool. I left, you know.
0: We saw a, um, a documentary. Talk a little bit about the Brian Rose documentary. That oh, was- yeah,
2: the Iron Mind thing. Yeah, yeah that was cool. No. he uh, you know, went through some shit here and like, you know, all those Wall Street brokers, they they were making fucking six figures. I, I, My brother was one of them and thinking they could do anything. So the dude that my brother sold penny stock scams with and all that shit, was he was connected to the Russian mob. They had the Boiler Room movie that you saw with fucking Vin Diesel. Let me tell you something. My brother worked in the real one and the fucking movie Vin Diesel did, couldn't fucking touch what these motherfuckers were doing. And they was all Russian mob. So my brother worked for this dude, James, that set up a firm. And my brother was making, my brother was making like fucking $20,000, $30,000 a fucking week selling bullshit stocks. And like I saw that whole shit and the ugliness of that. His boss, this Russian mobster, like, he 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 was down with them, but he was the only non-Hispanic that was ever allowed to be in the crazy homicides in Brooklyn. That is a motherfucking fact. This dude was crazy. When I got into beef with the fucking gang on 11th Street, nobody would hang out with me because they put a KOS on me, except for him. And he was like, yo, you want me to call my boys from Brooklyn? I said, nah, man. I want this shit to die the fuck out. Like, And then I confronted them and then... The bad brains were able to squash it because they was black dudes. But I know the whole seediness of that whole shit. The Wall Street. Not the guys making the forty, fifty million dollars a year, but the fucking smaller players, you know, the five to seven million motherfuckers, all them cats. Not the big they were big fish, but not like the Gordon Geckos type shit. Takeovers and shit like that. So like you know, Brian's story resonated with me, and actually, the way that whole thing went down was, uh, I was playing in London, and his uh, producer was like, "Yo, you got to get this guy on the show. He's in. He's going to be in London." And he didn't even know who the fuck I was. He's, you know, he's like, "Who is he?" Because he, he has famous people, you know, from all over the world, big, big name people. So, I mean, people know me from music in the small circles and whatever plant-based shit, but. Not on the level of the motherfuckers that he has on that show. So then I came in and, and uh, they picked, they sent the car for me uh, after sound check and then fucking got me a whole bunch of vegan food and like we did the interview and hit it off and then it turned out he was like used to live here and I heard his whole story. And I was like, yo, you gotta come back to New York and face them demons, man. You can't just fucking run from that shit. That's what I did for years, and they kept rearing their heads up. And then like, you know, you saw the movie What Happened After That. I challenged him to come back and walk through the neighborhood where he was copping and all the other shit, the dope, the heroin, you know, cause that's what he got into. And then uh, and then I sprung on him the the 70.3 and then like, you know, plant. You're going to do it on a plant-based diet. Like the producers knew. Like I told them. I had to tell them because like, you know, working it out with them. But it was on the hush-hush. So it came off as like, what? I'm not doing no race. And I'm like, yeah, you are, motherfucker. <laughs> so then we hooked up Samantha Murphy, my coach who's plant-based. So like, you know, so she trained him.
0: Say to the, um the the meat-eater now that says uh, you know, meat is healthy and, or the hunter that says it's, 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 you know, it's natural. What do you say? Well, to-
2: what I say to them is I'm doing this for 40 years. I'm 58 years old. I compete and not this year, but I had three Ironmans on the table this year and all of them got canceled, but I'm still out here training. I just did two hours in the gym. You know, I'm active as fuck at 58, 58 years old. So if you can eat a diet that provides every single mineral, which a lot of minerals that I, I just I got this new book coming out, and it's all about how to do a plant-based diet on the right way, how to eliminate cancer causing toxins from your life, all the hidden shit, like my take like so many sections. But I have a section about the diet wars that's going on. And I addressed the top ones, including gluten-free, caveman diet, uh, you know, this other mama Luke that pushes the carnivore diet, uh, you know. the uh, What's the other one they all do? The uh, paleo? paleo? Pa- well, paleo, yeah. I-, I addressed paleo, but then... Uh, yeah. Keto. Keto diet, right. So, And I presented the scientific evidence for all of it. So here's the thing. If you look at what's going on in the planet right now, this planet is in fucking peril. We're wiping out oceans. We're destroying the land. It's all about how do I make food that has the lowest carbon footprint, even if you believe in fucking global warming or not. The, the fucking fumes that's going up in the air from these vehicles that's plowing these crops and growing these crops is fucking killing this planet. And they use one industry alone. The beef industry uses more fossil fuels than the entire world's transportation combined. So if if I can eat a diet that, first of all, is proven to be healthier for me, second of all, does not take the life of innocent living beings because I got into this. Rastafari means Prince of Peace. They were saying we don't need to eat animals and kill these living beings to eat this stuff and then in yoga it's called ahimsa you know you know it, 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 you you try to cause it it means do no harm so like you put all that together and then you talk about the environment and then the health that's all three issues right there that could solve a lot of people's problems and just being in the fitness industry for 40 years in new york seeing all the crazy shit that's come about And all these wackadoo fucking diets and everything else. And I look at the people that practiced that shit back then. And then I just seen some of them in this underground gym where I go now. And they're like, yo, dude. Holy. I didn't even recognize them. But they were like, yo, it's me, bro. I'm like, what? (laughs) I was like, goddamn, motherfucker. What happened? (laughs) 1,000 Big Macs later. (laughs) But they aged out. They're my age. And they look. Fucking, del- he's like, dude, you barely changed. I was like, yo, when you eat food that affects you on a cellular level and heals your body, it slows the aging. I look what a fucking 58-year-old motherfucker is supposed to look like if you do the right thing in your life. Yeah, But, you know, now you got this movie coming out, uh, Badass Vegan, John Lewis. It's about, hold on, let me tell you what it's called because it's all about the food disparity in America and how the medical system is just rigged and the food system's rigged to get poor black and brown people in this country fucking sick and dying and all the rest of this shit. It's, I'll tell you what the movie's called, hold on. Oh, they're trying to kill me. So bring up the trailer of they're trying to kill me and it's the producer from it's the producer from what the health and uh and cowspiracy Kip Keegan Keegan did it,
1: it going to be on And yet? it's
2: all about what's going on in the hood and the food and just bringing everything to light and to sur- surface and I talk about that in this book that I'm doing now because like and I talked about it in media pussies the food deserts and who's affected and how's it you know the way okay. the whole system is set up, now you got Gates trying to say, we're coming for the black and brown people first with the injection. <laughs> like, exactly. that's why okay. I Minister mean, Farrakhan said, do not take that fucking vaccine.
1: When's your book coming out?
2: Which one? one? I got two. The
1: one you're talking about now, about the
2: food. Oh, that's coming out. That's going to be what I'm trying to do is I finish the cookbook, too, with 100 recipes, badass shit. So I'm going to offer as a free download, if you pre-order the book, you're going to get either on audio or digital, this like plant-based lifestyle guide to do the shit the right way. It's going to be free. So you're getting two books for the price of one because this is going to tell you prior to getting the cookbook, how to set up your kitchen, how to do this, how to do that. I, I fucking take down all the fucking diets in my very special motherfucking vernacular that I use. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: you know me. <laughs> and and they, then, like, there's all kinds of shit. How to grow food in your fucking closet. <laughs> like, for real. Vertical fucking growing, dude. Yeah. And, and, they, and, and just everything. How to shop. How to eat healthy in a food desert. How do we do it? And how to start a fucking co op in your neighborhood. And they're gonna get the book on your website. Where they? Yeah, yeah. So you pre-order it, and uh, my website's johnjosephnyc.com. But like, you pre-order the book, and then before you even get, you know, it probably take a couple of months. When we put after the pre-order link goes up, we're doing in-house publishing, so we get shit to people a lot quicker. If I tried to put this out through fucking Harper Collins, it'd be like next year. Yeah. I said, 2021, there may be the zombie flu by then. I got to get motherfuckers, <laughs> like, cooking in their house for the next lockdown. Your current
0: book, what's your, your current book that's out the right PMA, now?
2: The PMA Effect. Oh,
1: yeah, we got that. I read that. I've been
0: I've been uh, hashtagging you like
2: crazy oh, lately. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Is that you? That's me. Jesus, I thought I had a stalker. Ah!
0: <laughs> so tell us a, tell us a little bit about that.
2: <laughs> well, that's, like, all the lessons that I learned... From the school of hard knocks, the University of the Streets, and wait, mixed wait, with so LSD. How to, how to how to how to sell that? For that LSD. LSD. <laughs> nah, man, that that <laughs> I, I don't I don't fuck with them artificial intoxicants no more. All right. So, oh, what but is- uh, you know, all the, the the University of the Streets, I said, and that's what I called it, and, and the School of Hard Knocks. You know that whole shit but trying to look at every life lesson in a philosophical way. Then I interviewed some of the top mental warriors from women and and fucking, my you know, special forces motherfuckers, like long-distance athletes, just anybody, men and women who are like some of the most badass motherfuckers on the planet. Uh, you know, I put their quotes in there. So it just basically breaks down the book into four parts. So... It's doing really well, especially, like, in this time. We just have to, we're getting ready to print a whole nother big run. That's
1: awesome. Because, like,
2: you know, mindset is everything. And if you let this shit, if you're sitting there, as I'm getting all these fucking news pop-ups on my shit, watching the news and all the bullshit they're trying to program you with, you're going to be flipping the fuck out, man. That's why I don't even watch that shit. Yeah. Like I'm like fuck that. that. They've been saying my girl didn't watch it at all. I just put it on when the when the shit hit in March, she went up to be with her mother and took the dog. She has not watched the news from March till like two weeks ago. She said they're saying the same exact fucking story. Like yeah. it's it's insane, you know? So oh, um Alright, so I'm just gonna say fire out. We're gonna
0: fire out some 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 things, some names, and some uh some words. And you just tell us a couple of words, just what comes to your mind. I right?
2: did this with my psychiatrist. <laughs>
0: All right.
2: I did. Um, Bill Gates. <laughs> Scum of the earth, eugenicist, not a philanthropist, killed people in India and Africa. There's proof wants to decrease earth's population while simultaneously cl- claiming to want to help the world. Their parents both started <coughs> um, Planned Parenthood, which last year murdered more black children in New York city than were born. Uh, the The founder of Planned Parenthood said black people are like weeds. We need to uproot them. Um, the best thing you can do for your baby is to kill it. Margaret Singer, right? I mean, these people are sick fucking people. And Bill Gates, what the fuck were you doing on Jeffrey Epstein's Island all those times? Pow, pow! Talk about that.
1: Okay, soy products.
2: I use them organically. Um, I try to do as close to the bean as possible, edamame or tempeh, tofu occasionally, but What's causing the problem, and what this is what people don't understand, is the genetically modified uh, soy products is what fucks with the estrogen levels and testosterone levels in men. What people don't know is that a company called Epicyte years ago got a patent on putting a gene technology inside of genetically modified soy and corn, which is in everything. The derivatives of it are in everything. So it basically fucks with a woman's reproductive systems and it destroys the sperm in men. You can look it up. It's called Episite and it's a form of population control. So if you look at who John, John Holjan was, Obama's White House safety czar. He, he was, a, these are all eugenics people. Don't be fooled by what's here and who stands in that office is on the same fucking agenda because if they ain't, you get what John F. Kennedy got. So John Holdren was, um, was uh, Obama's White House science art. He did a book called Ecoscience. It's about eugenics. He said, we have to control Earth's population. They'll never do it willingly. We can put food and uh, chemicals in the food and the water and the air to decrease population. Wow. So this is the kind of shit these people talk. So when when... People with a poor fund of knowledge start shitting on soy products. I mean, listen. You know, the further you get away from that natural bean, the worse it is. Like all the derivatives of soy, deep fried fucking soy chunks and whatever the fuck. But
1: well, also, that's you're the you're eating the animals. So the the people that are eating and the- it's
2: mainly used right. Uh-huh. It's 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 also genetically modified, fed to the animals. And the corn, too. This is what they're feeding. A lot of that ends up as animal feed. So the animals are eating genetically modified food. Which, which
1: you're eating
2: it. If you listen to Zach Bush on the Rich Roll podcast, which I suggest everybody listen to every single episode he's done, and he gets into the glyphosate and what it does to the gut, to the to the um, gut biome, and what it's doing to the planet, and, and, and just everyone's bodies and why there's all this cancer, and IBS, and Crohn's, and all this shit. The other day, I met I met someone. I was out biking. I walked into Delhi to get water. He's like, yo, you saved my life. Big ass fucking dude. He's like, yo, man, I had Crohn's, everything. I was in the hospital. I had all this shit. I, you told me to listen to Dr. Zach Bush, and I did, and my, it fucking saved my life, man. I changed my whole shit. I'm off all the medication, everything, man, and he had his little son with him, I was like, man, that's the best shit anybody could say to me. And all I did was act as like the mailman. I just fucking said, here's the mail. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Amazing. But what about, uh, that's the deal Swami, with soy. What about Swami Prabhupada? Pure devotee of God, man. Just came here, you know, emulated, epitomized bhakti yoga, which was service to others. He, he came here with $7 and a case of books to the Lower East Side to help people. He was robbed. They stole his typewriter. He started translating books. He went out and chanted. They got him a place to cook food for people. This is a a, a 70-year-old sannyasi, and he sits there cooking for everybody, cleaning and everything, making sure everybody was full before he took one grain of rice. He slept on the floor. He had no possessions. There's so many snakes, There's so many freaking, uh, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing now and and snake oil salesmen, and they're all going around all this self-improvement. You're hearing about all these yoga groups of sexual fucking abuse towards, i seen it. That's why I knew when Prabhupada first came, all the other people were turning out to be full of shit, and they tried to test Prabhupada. One Indian man, they sent them to do it. And if you watch this movie, your ever well-wisher, you'll see. And the man broke down crying. He was like, I've never met anybody like him in my life. Everything you saw is what you got. And he lived and loved everybody. And like never, nobody could say he ever had any dirt. Because he was an Uttama Adhikari. He was a pure devotee of God. He lived his whole life. Look what he was able to do. There's many versions of the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita as it is, is the Gita that made millions of disciples of Krishna. That's the test of something. How many devotees of Krishna did that book make? He's in all the universities translating the Vedic. Everyone that translates the Isha Upanishad. they're doing all kinds of nonsense and then trying to translate the script and their interpretation. I don't want your interpretation, Mr. Weed Smoker Womanizer. I want to hear from somebody that's living the life. He's a transparent via medium for that knowledge. He's not trying to, and when and even he was on the news and everything, and they would say, what have you come to teach everybody when all the gurus were coming from the 60s? He just said, I, I've come to remind you of what you've forgotten because we're all pure devotees, but we get covered by, you know, material desires and the and the senses and all the nonsense that could take us off the path. But... I never met Prabhupada, but he. when I finished the yoga temple and I donated it and I spent a hundred grand and it was free to the people and open to the public, we fed the homeless, everything in there. And when I handed the male, the woman and men, the key, the married couple, my friend Brahma Bhuta and Mother Vani. And they, that night, I had a dream and Prabhupada came to me in my dream and all he did for for whatever amount of time was just, I saw his face and he was smiling. But I woke up in tears because I was like that was real. The guru never leaves you. Until you return back to the spiritual world, the guru's there in every lifetime. That's That's your spiritual teacher. It's a spiritual master. It's a spiritual teacher. Just like Lord Jesus Christ, which is Hey, listen to the quote today of Prabhupada, right? I mean, nobody knows where Jesus went for the missing years, right? Prabhupada's quote today, there is a book called the Aquarian Gospel in which it is stated that Lord Jesus Christ lived in the temple of Jagannath. You can't live in the temple in Jagannath Puri unless you're a devotee. Without being his devotee, how could he live there and how authorities could allow a non-devotee to live there? From that book, it appears that Lord Jesus Christ lived in intimate relationships with the priest order in India. It's recorded by the Pajaris that he was there. There's Pajari records for 3,000 years, like thousands of years in temples in India. So like, you know, Prabhupada never put any other religion down. He said, whatever religion you follow, it it has to, it can't be dogma, you know, which is what people follow. Like. All right. So, it, so, so, so last,
0: last thing now, just tell the people about the homeless situation in New York city right now. Oh,
2: it's going back. It's, I mean, I was on the streets in the seventies and eighties, man. It's going back there. You're seeing encampments everywhere. Every people all over the fucking street. And listen, we didn't even see what we're seeing now and the reason they're out there, and I'm going to tell you why, because like I'm following this whole shit. This mayor let all these fucking criminals out of Rikers Island, okay? Now you're talking about sex offenders, right? Third level fe- sex offenders and all kinds of shit. So what's happening, because I have friends that are in corrections, I have friends that are police, whatever. I don't, you know... Is there fucked up cops in New York? Hell, motherfucking yeah, there is. But here's the deal. He let out some very dangerous fucking people from Rikers Island. Very dangerous. Not just people that were locked up for weed and, you know, the way they tried to make it sound with the bail reform. That's bullshit. They let some dangerous motherfuckers out, and they went into these shelters because they had nowhere to go. A lot of them. So then they push the homeless people out because these people, there's a lot of violence going on in the shelters right now that you're not hearing about. So these people are going out onto the streets now. So you're seeing encampments everywhere. They'd rather be on the street than be in these shelters. And then the other majority of them are getting put up in hotels, uh, level one sex offenders and shit like that in bad air, in like, Upper West Side, like, yeah. So there was a whole big thing about it, but the thing is the economy and what I saw was what's gonna happen and what's coming up is gonna be some really heavy financial shit going on and you're gonna see a lot more homeless in this uh, this city and people struggling and, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people making their exodus right now, too, like, you know, getting out of the city. Uh, You know, I'm born and raised here, but the thing with me, the the deterrence is in the violence, because I don't give a fuck about that. I'm like, you know, I can handle myself and have, but it's just the city's gutted, man. Everything that you came here to do, the culture, the restaurants, going to see bands hanging out with people, it's like everybody's like this now. I'm like, yeah it's it's
0: sad, you know
2: it's fucking it's not the city that I want I wouldn't move to this city right now to like you know, but like I said, I'm born and raised here, you know i got I live with my woman, and we got a fucking dog and everything else, so like you know we're just waiting to see. What the fuck is what? What's gonna happen? But at this point, if this shit stays like this in New York, ain't no reason for me to fucking be here. I you know, I'm a writer, I could go write any motherfucking where. Yeah. But, you know. All right. It's getting bad and you're seeing not just the homeless situation, but I work with food charities and you're seeing a lot more people that are needing. Meal uh Chili's on Wheels and then the uh Interfaith Community Services too, which is vegan. And um and I actually go out on, on the line for Interfaith and, and Chili's on wheels for Thanksgiving or whatever, and uh you're seeing a lot more people that are needing help right now, you know, like with food. <laughs> you know, like Like, and that's how it was in the 80s, man. You would see families line up and like with their kids and stuff and come and get, we would make kitri, which is a very healthy, it's like rice, uradal, spices, vegetables. And then we would make homemade bread. So they would get that and then a sweet. So it was like, we would let them take food for the week if they had to. So yeah, it's getting, uh, it's getting real.
0: All right. Well, I think I think we got a lot that we gotta sit for. Well through. let me
2: just finish with this. Yeah. Everything is mindset. No matter what we go through in this life, it's not the situation I'm getting people that are telling me, you know, they were suicidal before they read my book, PMA Effect and all this shit. Like it's not the situation we find ourselves in; it's how we react to these situations. That's the key, right? 100%. And that's about creating great characters too. My writing teacher Robert McKee always said, "You put the protagonist under the greatest amount of adversity that they can possibly be under, because only when the protagonist is under pressure is true character is true character revealed." Right? Everybody walks around in public wearing a mask. Tough guy. I got my shit together. I'm, I'm a beautiful, nice, sweet girl. That's a fucking mask because when that's what the observable qualities in people, the true character is revealed under pressure. The greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of true character. When I heard those words from my teacher, from my writing teacher, that shit was pure philosophy. So now is the time. And the way that we keep above like the lotus above the turbulent waters, we gotta do that meditation work every day. We gotta we gotta look if you look at my corkboard, I got I'm going to school in August. I got all my shit up there. Like I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I got I'm you know, man proposes, God disposes. Anything can happen in a day. I mean, my brother just relapsed and fucking had to go fucking go off the grid for two days because of that and and, because he's near death to begin with but like always curveballs are going to come but that's what meditation and chanting Hare Krishna and all the stuff I do it's like that coat of armor to fucking uh protect you against that stuff you know And, and and it's all mindset is everything my friend's a seal that's the whole quote of the navy seals mindset is everything because it's not the situation itself it's like How am I going to react in that situation? Am I going to bug the fuck out? Or am I going to keep... What did Prabhupada say? Cool heads prevail. That's the truth. And that's what we need right now is cool heads. With all this shit, the election and all this craziness coming up and this fucking... All the rest of this, all this shit, this virus and fucking people out of work. Like, you're not going to make the right decisions hot-headed or if you're not centered first thing in the morning. That's why I wake up, my head touches the floor, I say my mantras, thank God for another day of life, let me get after it. Boom, and I'm back in this room. That's a signed Bad Brains poster right back there. Awesome. From my man from Obey, Shepard Ferry sent it.
0: All right.
2: But yeah, man, and I just try to, you know, the other thing I do is try to help and educate people. Like before this whole shit, I was speaking in prisons and high schools and I just want to mention the documentary I got coming out with uh, Kip Anderson, the other producer of What the Health and Cowspiracy, and Paul DeGelder, the Australian Navy SEAL. He's on Shark Week. He fights for ocean conservation. He was like uh Australian Special Forces and the he was on a mission in Sydney Harbour, and uh, just doing exercises, and a bull shark took his arm and leg, right. and like he went through all this shit. He has a great book. It's called No Time for Fear, and he's plant based now. And he fights. He's on Shark Week right now, coming up. You're gonna see him in every fucking episode with Mike Tyson and all kinds of shit. He took Mike Tyson shark diving.
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> Yo. Paul's the fucking man. So we did this documentary called Thirty to Life. So it's oh, Thirty to that. Life. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it's about it. We worked with these prisoners in these parolees in Amity, Amity Foundation out in LA, and the experience was just man, it's 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 amazing. That's being edited now. Where's that gonna be? Where can we see it? Uh, I, you know. We should know something in the next few months. It's being, he finally found the correct editor. We, we went through two other editors, but it's probably gonna be like a five to seven part series. There's too much to be.
0: You gotta uh, have to lay it uh, out. Yeah.
2: But we worked, we had Keith Mitchell, the, the former NFL line uh, pro bowl uh, defensive back who was paralyzed and healed himself through yoga. Oh, wow. And he's, like, fucking cock diesel now. He was in there teaching him yoga. Paul had him jumping out of airplanes, like, job, oh, man, and doing community service at the Gentle Barn and, like, feeding people. And we – the whole town came out. We did a charity run with these guys, and, like, everybody was just in tears. It's, like,
0: and you put them all reunited people with you, their right?
2: families after 40 years.
0: You – You put them all on the vegan diet, too, right?
2: Yeah, plant-based diet. Wow. Amazing. Yep. And they were such... I'm still friends with, like, a lot of them, man. We're in touch, you know? Just life-changing. Because the recidivism rate is 80-something percent after they do 10 years out there. They'll violate you for anything. One of the guys got violated. They caught him with a little weed or whatever. And during the filming of the fucking show, he got sent back to prison oh wow you know but like these guys all turn their life around after this shit so now they're shooting some of the follow-up stuff that's what they're doing now wow because it's like a year later where are you one year later type shit you know that's how docs they take a long time but when they come out they're magic man it's gonna this is gonna i kept telling these people I'm like, yo, man, you don't even understand the effect you're going to have on people's lives, man. You guys are doing something amazing right here to show that any, and this was what I said was I was a hardcore motherfucking criminal, locked up, drug addicted, all this shit. And when some people came to me with compassion and love, the bad brains and, and told me about yoga and meditation and raw foods and plant-based diet, my whole life changed and the exercise, I've gotten so many blessings of people in the Iron Man community and music and just all the different areas in my life that I have to pay that forward. When people ask Prabhupada, how do we ever pay you back? He said, you can only pay me back by paying it forward. You, you go and help other people's lives. And that's been, you know, that's been kind of my mission to do that, it, it, to, to help other people, you know, constantly.
1: You're doing a good job of it. You're amazing. You
2: know, and, and like, listen. I got people that sometimes I'm a New Yorker. I say things, and they're like, you hey, know, I block a lot of people <laughs> on social media.
0: One, one more thing, Lululemon. What happened with uh, the your book? And something happened. Didn't you have something with the, Oh,
2: you were going to be an Oh, doctor? yeah. I had a campaign. I was like one of five or six athletes that they picked for the new men's athletic line. It wasn't like tight, you know, ball hugger shit. It was like loose gym pants and fucking really nice shit. Like even dress shirts and like, like pants that you could like move in. You could do a split in these fucking pants. Like, but they looked dope. And they like filmed me and everything, man. They had cardboard cutouts, fucking commercials ready. And then, all these vegan feminists called him up and said, that's the guy that wrote meat is for pussies. And with your owner having to resign because he said, we don't make yoga clothes for fat chicks. The last person you want to have representing your line is that dude. And they, they fucking ganked me. I don't care because it was never, I'm, I gotta be me. It's never about, the money I could have sold out a long time ago and did a TV cooking show as long as I had people cooking meat and eggs and all that shit on it for major networks. And every single time I said, no, 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 no. And I had... fucking the producer from uh, from Chopped fucking wanted to do a show. Like, major... Uh, network people I'm meeting with and when it came down to like so there can't be any meat or dairy on the show I was like fuck no not only that I'm going to talk about the dangers of it well guess what when KFC is keeping the fucking network lights on you're not bad-mouthing people that's giving them money so that's why they fucking never gave me shit I kept getting rejection notices so this is something you know Listen, that's my been my whole life has been bring it, motherfucker, bring the challenge. I don't care, you said I couldn't put out an album, I did. Put out a bunch of them. Said I'll never get published, I did. You said everything you said I'll never do in Iron Man, I did fucking 12 of them. So when people start telling me you can't do something, it lights a fire under my fucking ass. So, you know. Even with Harper Collins, when they put out Meets of Pussies, like, like, I asked them if they wanted to change the name, and they said, no, we want you being authentic self, this and that. When those same feminists attacked, they asked me to start writing apology letters to them. You know, I say, you want to know what my apology is? You want to hear what I got to say? Not just no, but hell motherfucking no. I ain't apologizing for a motherfucking thing. You told me to roll with that fucking name. There's nothing at all in that fucking book that uh, is misogynist towards women or anything. I've defended women. I've fucking beat rapists down. You know, my mother was raped twice. You think I'm going to fucking, and they just didn't want to hear it. So they were like fucking, all right, they just buried the book. And then the Lululemon shit came up. And then they just fucking, all of a sudden, I start seeing the ads and, and the stuff for all the other people. I was like, they started bullshitting me, saying, oh, there was a problem with the film. And then, like, and then it was like, all right, well, the photo shoot, what about all the commercial shit? No response, no response. Well, look, this is what happened. And this chick started some shit with me online and fucking calling my girlfriend a whore and fucking because she does bikini competitions, like professional fitness. I said, bitch, I started reading in the riot act. And then like all this shit, she like kept all my conversations and said that I was harassing her online and I was hitting on her. I was like, look at my, no offense, look at my girl and look at her. You think I'm fucking Stevie Wonder over here? My girl's a fucking, like, my girl's fine as a dime. She's like a fucking two-piece over here. (laughs) And so it was all this bullshit, and they're doing it to everybody, the cancel culture. That's what's happening right now. If they don't like the way you do something, if they don't like it, and now these are the motherfucking liberals, supposedly, okay? If they don't like the way you're doing something and it's not in line with their views or their whatever, cancel your motherfucking ass. So it's been an uphill battle even to get the cookbook out. Like, the shit came back to me, man. The agent from UTA was like, yo, that shit's still looming over you, bro but I'm like, fuck it, I'm DIY, I'll do it, I'll do it yourself, I don't need you, You motherfuckers are gonna, like, you came crawling to me for my books, and my music, and, you know, nobody, uh, you know, it's hard to get a film made, but I'm a script writer, and now, before this whole shit went down, I got asked to work on a couple of TV shows, and, like, you know, and I'm, I want to do this indie movie I'm going to film in Rockaway about that summer of 77, the craziness that went down. So I just can't be stopped, man, you know. And, uh, you know, I have a goal, and that's to get another center together where people could just come and get together and meditate and chant and eat plant-based food and, like, just hire – Education, spiritual knowledge, because that's what's lacking in all these conversations.
0: That's how, all we, this TV that's
2: shit, how we all shit of it.
0: That's how we all come together because we you know we've that's always it.
2: and you know what the first teaching of yoga is? Aham Brahmasmi, you're not the body. I never had one single racial incident in the temple because we didn't see people as this. We saw people on the spiritual platform, and that's what's needed in society. Nobody's You may be in a black body, but you're not black. I may be in a white or a female body, but we're not the body. We're the spirit soul. The spirit soul is not black, white, Hindu, whatever the fuck. Those are labels that we put on ourselves. Temporary designations. I read this in the Srimad Bhagavatam this morning. That was what I read. We are falsely identifying with these gross material bodies. Prabhupada said two things. If people got off the bodily concept of life, right? And because then you identify with nation and this and that, and then our nation's better than your nation. And we're going to put women down because women are inferior to us. You get off the bodily concept of life and you stop killing animals. All war will cease on this planet. I agree with that. And that's coming from a Shakhtar avatar. That's somebody that's empowered to do what he did. There's no way anybody could have done what he did in the short period of time that he came uh, to America. In 1967, in 10 years, he traveled the globe more than anybody ever. And opened up ashrams and still lived penniless. And never, ever touched a female. He was sannyas order of life. Strict. Strict. Wow, You know, no, none of this, these so-called swamis and all these people that are doing all this shit in these ashrams now and catching lawsuits, you know, yoga for the people and all this shit. These guys, they're fucking wolves in sheep's clothing. And you even had them in the Hare Krishna movement and I exposed them and I got ostracized for the whole movement because they were molesting children and fucking killing people and running drugs. And I exposed the whole shit and they called me a fucking demon. And like, you know, nobody, I would still go to the temple because ain't nobody going to stop me, but nobody talked to me. They said I was offensive. I'm a, uh, someone who commits Vaishnava is making offenses against the devotees. And I said, That person's not acting like a devotee, so you know what? All bets are off, I'm taking it to the streets with that motherfucker right there. Cause I know what his ass is doing. Mm. And I took them all on, man. And that's our temple on St. Mark's was only a temple for Prabhupada and that's it. No bogus gurus and no bullshit going down. I turned over the keys, but I said, me and my friends are, are the security for this place. And it was all bad motherfuckers. And anybody would have violated, they would have got dealt with. This ain't the place for it. So that's my goal is to open up another center, use the money I get from these films or this other shit I'm doing and, and try to open up another center, uh, you know, that maintains the standard that Prabhupada set up.
0: We on the same page. We've always wanted to have a compound where people could come in the same thing. They get the same food, exercise, they get the mentality, the spiritual component. You know, it's it's just yeah. working towards that, you know?
2: Even now trying to get some property out of the city to grow. That's mm-hmm. gonna be, Yeah. listen, the food experts now are saying start saving seed and get your shit to be grown. Because the ones who's gonna be eating soon, the way this whole shit's going down, if you don't get that vaccine, they're fucking turning your shit off. And I'm not getting no motherfucking Bill Gates vaccine. We need Is there going to be any seeds left for us? He's buying them up. You notice that? Bill Gates is hoarding a lot of the heirloom organic seeds, man. He has a seed bank, a seed vault. Wow. It's People a- don't know what this dude's been doing, putting out the GMO food and taking aborted black fetuses, the DNA from their eyeballs and their spines and putting it in the vaccines. What the fuck you thinks in them vaccines? That's what's in those vaccines. So his family's own Planned Parenthood and they're getting the fetuses and they're taking the the, um, stem cells from the iris and the spine of unborn babies and that's what's in the vaccines. You got to look into this shit and then the thimerosal, the mercury, the aluminum, all the formaldehydes, all the shit that they're putting in this and they're injecting this. Now with this shit, they're just Operation Warp Speed. What the fuck is that? Like, are you serious? That's crazy. Yo, these motherfuckers, none of them could be trusted. Not one of them mentioned strengthening your immune system. Dig that. Not one, not Fauci, not anybody. I did a live thing on Instagram with Dr. Joe Kahn, live. We had thousands of people listening. All we talked about was the immune system. They stopped the fucking video and flashed on my screen, you are spreading false and misleading information and your account is in jeopardy of being uh, canceled or whatever the fuck they terminated. Wow. While I'm doing it live, if they're not paying attention to what the fuck I'm saying, how do they know what the fuck I was saying live? Wow. And they st- and then I was able to continue the video, but then nobody could watch it. I couldn't send it to anybody. And when I held my phone up, the video was on my Instagram page. When I, when I looked at somebody else's phone of my page, it wasn't on their phone. They set up an algorithm so that a majority of the people couldn't even see the video or what I or what words I wrote. It wasn't on my page to them.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: And I took five people. I said, let me see your phones. Two of them had it on there. Three of them didn't. So, they're censoring the information. Uh, These are... Yo, if you look into the corruption of Fauci, it will blow your fucking mind what he did through the AZT and all the other shit. And then he just went and fucking pumped up the Moderna vaccine. The stocks went through the roof. The executives made a billion fucking dollars. You think that motherfucker didn't get hit off with the grip? Anybody with a half a scruple in their fucking brain knows what these people are doing. You know? And they're destroying the fucking economy. Like, just all of this shit. You know? I don't like that motherfucker Trump. I knew all about him before he ever ran for president. He's a clown. But like, There's a direct thing to just destroy this whole fucking country. He's going to, he would have got beat anybody anyway. You didn't have to do all this shit and make Americans suffer like this. You know, shutting down these fucking cities. Yo, it's ridiculous. Nobody did that. And now they have no cases. You can, you don't lock up healthy people. You let them go out and develop herd immunity in their immune systems. That's what me and my girl did. We thought we had it. We were fucking sick a couple of days and then we felt better and we were out and about. T- I tested negative. Like the virus, just like this one person today tries telling me all this shit. Oh, well, you saw that guy in Texas who said it's a hoax and all this shit. I said, I'm not saying it's a hoax, The shit is real. But you know who it's affecting? People with pre- pre-existing conditions and the elderly. Which 40% of all new deaths was because of Mayor fucking Cuomo said taking COVID patients or you're losing your funding. Okay? And that's 40% of the deaths were in the nursing homes in New York. They don't tell you that. This was already sick people. A majority of the deaths were people with pre existing conditions, just like the dude in Texas diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, overweight eating fucking barbecue every fucking day. So he got it, and his immune system couldn't deal with it. And a lot of the other motherfuckers that are like, well, Joe Tricliani was was a fucking bodybuilder, uh, you know, extraordinaire and in great shape and did Iron Man's. Well, guess what? Joey also took a fucking flu vaccine every year for the last 10 years and broke his fucking immune system down with that shit so a majority of the deaths were the elderly or people with pre-existing conditions 99.9% of the people that contracted covid a lot of them didn't even know they had it and the others recovered very quickly so it's you know the people that it attacks and fucks them up it's it's devastating but even now there's no vaccine why aren't People getting told that Fauci takes 15,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. How come he don't go on the news and say, "Yo, I take 15,000 milligrams of vitamin C every fucking day, day after day. I take all this shit to build my immune system." That's why these ner- these doctors challenged all of them. Prove to me you're not on these drugs that are killing this virus. Take a take a take a blood test. Prove it to us. You know, so anyway, it's a lot of medical fraud and padding of the numbers and everything else. But the main thing is, if we get stressed, cortisol levels increase. When cortisol levels increase, our fucking immunity decreases. We become susceptible to disease. Stress is a major cause of disease and the stress hormone is a major cause of the disease. So keep your mind right. Meditate every day. Do your work turn off the fucking news. They're they're all saying the same shit. They're script readers. 95% of all media is owned by four corporations. So you're not hearing the news. You're hearing the fucking news according to them. It's programming of masses. Mm -hmm. So I don't watch that shit. And just look to help other people. That's it. Be a nice person in life.
0: You know? Yeah, another good interview, right?
1: If you like this interview, be sure to keep checking our site because there's going to be lots more great interviews on deck. See you soon.
0: See ya.